covering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesco. It's Wednesday, September 25th, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, the Eagles, with you in the house, I might add, take a tough mm-hmm. loss against the Lions. The Phillies are officially eliminated from the playoffs. The Flyers roster is getting down to the final cuts. And the boss turned 70. It's hard to believe, Harry. Yeah, and for anyone wondering, we're not being impeached, you and I, Bill, just making that clear. Uh, we're going to talk some brews later on. The Eagles have now lost the last four times I've been to see them. I'm sorry, Bird fans. And, yeah, regarding the Phils, Bill, well, it's time we resurrect Dandy Don yet again. Turn out the lights. The party's over. Yeah, unfortunately, and boy, they're, they're short, awful lot of talk around town about what needs to be done. I thought my post that I made yesterday regarding Reese Hoskins, Chet, I was really, uh, you, you know how I felt about that when I said he was pedestrian sometime <laughs> back, and he's got nothing but, yeah. but worse, but I was surprised that so many people actually agreed with that. Yeah, I mean, he had an awful second half, just awful, and he's got to figure something out. I don't know if it's, you know something he can figure out over the winter or what, but he was certainly not the same guy he was last year or even the first half of this year. Yeah, and, uh, you know, as you see the stats, they they are line, line up completely straight with the decline of the ball club. It's a shame. Mm-hmm. Yep, you got it. Hey, we hey, we got a couple of great guests tonight to talk to. Uh, we're going to talk Eagles with – former Eagle linebacker, great John Bunning, and we'll talk sports and music with New Jersey radio legend Tom Cunningham. I think most of us know John, Chet, so tell us about Tom. Well, he and I worked together at a great radio station, WPST, back in the mid-1980s for several years, and these days, Tom, who also happens to be a big Philadelphia sports fan, he does a weekly Sunday morning radio show on another station featuring two hours of Springsteen music yeah, every Sunday morning. And I should note, he has seen Bruce something like 280 times, really. So all Bruce fans will absolutely appreciate our talk with TC. Wow, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. How many times? 280? Yeah. <laughs> I'm at 11, wow. so I'm a little, little behind. I got some catching up to do. I think I'm at about eight. But, you know, you <laughs> figure well, they were probably cheaper in the day, but 280 times, so oh, $5,500, $7,500 a shot. Uh, he got some money tied up in the boss. Well, now that he's a big-time radio guy, he probably gets it for free. But, yeah, back in the day, he had to pay for sure. Gotcha. Hey, I wanted to throw uh, a few minutes of Flyers hockey in, Chet, at you before we get to the Eagles and the Phillies. Have you been paying attention to camp and, more importantly, your favorite Flyers topic, goaltending? It looks like Carter Hart and Brian Elliott are going to be the guys. Well, other than watching a nice chunk of that very first preseason game, which we talked about last week, I have not paid much attention. I know Carter Hart was perfect in the first two games that he played, partial games anyway, but otherwise I'm out of the loop. Believe it or not, their regular season bill begins a week from Friday over in Prague, so I guess I better start paying at least a little bit of attention. Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, the the um, roster is starting to – Thin down, they keep cutting guys. Uh, the new coach is not happy with how things are going. He's been playing his regulars more in the preseason than ever before. 
Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, especially these uh, last couple roster spots. Uh, Morgan Frost still on the roster at this point. Oh, he is? See, I told you I have not been paying much attention. So I'm telling you, for next week, though, Bill, I'm going to be all flyered up because uh, it all starts for real a week from Friday. And hopefully they'll get off to a decent start this year and there won't be any talk of firing the coach or firing the GM this time around. Well, the thing that we will be talking about is what about the Flyers faithful and are they going to be faithful or is this Kate Smith situation uh, going to affect the attendance? I think it is. Well, yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. But I'll tell you what, winning cures all. So I think if they get off to a good start and, you know, they play – Good hockey. They're over 500. Carter Hart's the real deal. I think, you know, diehard Flyers fans will put that behind them for the most part. Some people will, you know, hang on to that and stay away. But I think if they do win, the Flyers fans will come back. Well, winning winning cures all, certainly. And uh, the Flyers certainly need to win, kind of like the Phillies not making the playoffs for eight straight seasons. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's a whole other thing. And we'll have some time to talk about that, hopefully, later on. And, boy, they got something to figure out, too, in the offseason, those Phillies, because we all thought they were going to be a playoff team this year. Certainly didn't quite work out the way we thought it might. And, you know, the pitching is partly to blame. The manager certainly gets some of the blame. The injuries get, you know, there's, there's a lot of blame to go around. But the bottom line is they're not going to be in the postseason for the eighth straight year. Well, you know, and the thing that really takes me back through the whole season, and I said this, He's back coming out of spring training, I guess. I said it right here on this show. Uh, There will never be nights or many nights back-to-back where this team won't hit. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) Yeah, we all thought that, and it didn't quite work out so well. And it's kind of like the Eagles and that, you know, offense with all these weapons. I know they've had some injuries the first few games, but sometimes, you know, what looks great on paper, it doesn't always happen the way you think it's going to on the field. That's right. Wait, let's jump over and talk about the Eagles right quick, Chet. As we mentioned, you were in the house. That's a bad omen to begin with. But uh, did you cause the fumbles and uh, and the drop passes? Was that on you? Yeah, I don't know what it is. When they opened the link back in the day, they won the first six times I've gone there. Now, since then, I think I've lost like six out of seven. And three in a row there, plus the game down in Tennessee last year. So I'm riding a four-game losing streak. But – Oh, well, we got a guy on the line that we can talk to about all that. We do, and uh, let's welcome former Eagle great linebacker John Bunning back to Philly Press Box Radio. John, welcome back. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. Hey, John. How's it going? Real good. This is Chet, the other guy, of course, Bill. And assuming you got to see the game on Sunday, John, the loss to the Lions, I'm sure you'll agree it was pretty ugly on the Eagle side of things. Seven or eight drops, a couple of turnovers, and some costly penalties. I mean, given all that, it's kind of amazing they lost by only three, don't you think? I have to agree with everything you've just said. They could have won the football game. The the great block of the field goal by Malcolm Jenkins and the unfortunate penalty that he, he, in fact, I guess created, uh, and then they drove him back. They couldn't kick the field goal. It's it's a shame. Um, you know, uh, I, I have not followed them as much this year. But I, and it's amazing to me that uh, number one, they've got three running backs, two of which I, I don't know very well, and the uh, other one is I think he's been around. Uh, I think I may have played against Darren Sproles. That's how old he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But you can't drop the football, and you can't have a negative two in turnovers. You can't have a short field for Detroit. Uh, you have to sack the quarterback. I mean, it's not like that quarterback's going to move around. I mean, he's he's very very stationary. So it's 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 amazing that they never got the Stafford. Hey John, I have to ask you a general football question. As a you go back to playing when we were young, so you're an old timer like us. I guess we'll have to say the rule changes and the fact that the players don't seem to know how to hit or how to tackle because they're not allowed to because sometimes it's a penalty and sometimes it's not. Uh, what do you what do you make of the game nowadays from a rule standpoint? And I would say certainly it's better from a safety standpoint. But is it ruining the game? Well, that's what you have to say right away it's the safest it's ever been and that's because of you know helmet improvement rule changes there's no reason why somebody you tackle face up you tackle chest tackle you don't have to go in and lower your head and, 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 and smash somebody hurt yourself hurt somebody else so that that part of it is good but the fact that they're not you know having much contact during both you know uh, summer summer camp, and then of course during during the practice. I mean, Dick Vermeil, the first two years, we never took our pads off, you know, <laughs> through, throughout training camp and through throughout the season. So that is going to be a problem. So you have to work harder as coaches and do drills uh, and, and 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 get the players to come to balance you know, make more open field tackles, all that kind of stuff. It's a little tougher on the defensive coordinators, uh, I think, because of the rule changes as well. But looking at the Eagles, I mean, I thought the Eagles' defense played fairly well with the exception of not getting uh, pressure on the quarterback. Yep. Hey, John, regarding the drop passes, uh, Doug Peterson was asked about that, and I'll give you the very brief answer that he said uh, regarding the drop passes. Teaching points? Yeah. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. Now, you, you, you've been a coach, John. When your team has that many drops, what do you say to them, and how do you correct that? Well, <laughs> it, it's, it's one thing to look the ball in. It's another thing to really look the ball in. I mean, uh, you, you look at Aguilar when, when he had the fumble, okay? I mean, he, he caught the ball, and he was immediately looking around, to, to get upfield, make a move, make a move. Hey, I yep. like that guy, and I think he's come a long ways, and he, and he can make people miss. But secure the ball. I mean, this is the Belichick thing that I see up here when I'm up here in the state of Maine all the time. So I see the Patriots and hear about the Patriots all the time. I get sick of it. But do your job. Do your job first, and then and then do somebody else's. Do your job. You've got to catch the freaking football. And, you know, seven or eight drops, that – I mean, I know that they've got two receivers that are on the bench not playing because of injury. And I don't, you know, a, with a short week, I hope, I don't know if they get those guys back. We'll see what happens. But, uh, man, you can't, you, you've got to catch the football. You've got to, that's the number one thing a receiver's got to do. And the second one is he's got to block. Hey, John, I guess more than ever, it's a quarterback league, um, good or bad. And this week, I feel like very undeservingly, Carson Wentz has taken a good bit of heat from the Philly faithful. And uh, I, I feel like Wentz is the real deal and certainly not, especially after this game, doesn't warrant a lot of this heat he's getting. Well, you know, I could see sometimes that he's a little hesitant 
Uh, sometimes it looks like he's not seeing the field as well as, as he should. But, no, it's not on him. It's, and another thing is this. They, they don't have the left tackle, correct? He's out. Um, you've got to run the football better. And, and I, I like this kid, Sanders. You know, he turned it. He, he fumbled twice, turned it over once. Uh, and this Jordan Howard looks like he might be a player. But, you know, they're not running the football as well as they did a couple of years ago. Hey, John, uh, defense has always used to be 4-3 or 3-4, but now a lot of teams will often go with just two linebackers at a time. We hear experts say linebackers have sort of been devalued in recent years. As a former linebacker yourself, what do you think of that? I totally agree. I mean, they're, they're basically playing a lot of nickel defense, and that nickel player could be a, a safety uh, play in that position, or it could be actually a, a D, a, another DB corner. But, uh, yeah, I – because offenses are in three, four, and sometimes five people split out, uh, you, you've got to have a faster, more athletic player out there playing. Uh, the day of the, the Rock'em Sock'em Robots, middle linebacker or outside backer, are, are for the most part gone. You've got to be an athletic linebacker to be out there on the field, to be especially every down linebacker. But in most cases, a, a third linebacker, he's out there, he's coming off for sure on second and long because people are substituting, putting in, in receivers. You've got to get with more speed on the field. Hey, John, speaking of the defensive line and pressure, uh, you know, the, how do you improve that when, you, when you're running a four-man front, whether against five or six uh, blockers, sometimes seven, and you're not doing a lot of blitzing? Uh, is it just it's it's one on one one on two? How do you get better at that? Well, I've always I've always liked Jim Schwartz as a, as a defensive coordinator. I, I know he'd like to have a four man rush each and every down if he could, uh, and play a quarter quarter uh, half coverage or or, or straight quarters. Uh, but you've got to pressure to get to the quarterback, especially a stationary guy like Stafford. Uh, and uh, you've got to pick and choose when to do it. Uh, I, I'm not a defensive coordinator anymore. I think, once again, Jim Schwartz is a smart guy, uh, and, I, and I trust him. And I think, he'll, I think he'll get better and better as the year progresses as, as people come back and play. But you've got to have, you've got to have one of your defensive ends be a, a, a great pass rusher. Okay, so if they're going to go with five-man, six-man, seven-man protections, uh, you've got to have one guy's going to be uh, one-on-one. And I know that the Eagles have had good pressure before. Uh, they did not have that on Sunday. They've got to figure out a way. Gotcha. Hey, hey, John, we have a caller who wants to talk to you just a second. you have a second for that? Sure, I do. Absolutely. Hello, caller. Yeah, I just want – this guy, John Bunning, he, he couldn't read a defense if they gave him a map. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> Is that you, Kevin Riley? That'd be me. That man that you're talking to is the only defensive coordinator in the history of the world to get fired after winning a Super Bowl. The wonderful Mike Martz hired his brother-in-law and cast John to a side, and he went nowhere after that. John, well, uh, John we were, really, really we were, got the defenses down. 
We were only number one in run defense that year and number six overall. But, hey, uh, he had other plans, and that's the head coach's prerogative. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do about it? Hey, you know what? It led me to a better path to get to where I wanted to go. I went to, from there to New Orleans and from New Orleans to Chapel Hill. So it, it actually probably helped me in the long run. Yeah. Hey, guys, let me jump hey, in here. For those who don't know, Kevin Riley, Kevin Riley and John Riley. Bunning played together uh, back in the mid-'70s. Kevin, I want to ask you, did you guys hit it off right away? Did you become instant friends back in the mid-'70s? No, he was my competition. We didn't talk to each other. <laughs> we roommates next to each other. And then one day after practice, I was single at the time, and he, uh, John's a big Baltimore Orioles fan, and he had tickets to the Baltimore Orioles, and, and I think one of the guys in the team said he would go and then – bailed on him and he said who wants to go with me and I said you know what I'll go with you so we had a long <laughs> drive down and uh that became a bonding experience and from that uh, he's become one of my best friends in the whole world nice well I would say Kevin Riley uh, is is my best friend from playing in the Eagle days I got a bunch of bunch of other good ones Kevin's my best and uh I, I owe an awful lot to him he's been very inspirational in many different ways uh, I think he's been a calming uh, influence on me, too, at, at different times, uh, getting my head back up uh, sometimes down there in Chapel Hill when things didn't go quite so well. But, uh, you know, he, he, was a, he came on. He was a late, late uh, release by the, the Dolphins, and he came into uh, uh, the vet. And, he, you know, one, one thing leads to another. Uh, 1973, his, his rookie year, my second year, I break my forearm in, in the uh, second play of the game in the Dallas game, which I think was game number four. And uh, Dean Halverson, who became a great friend of mine, gets gets uh, he's brought in off waivers from the Rams, and uh, Kevin Riley gets an opportunity to play. So that's the way this league is. You you, you get your opportunity, you've got to go out there and play. And Kevin Kevin played extremely well, as did my buddy Dean Halverson. Hey, I have to ask both of you guys why we have you. And, and Kevin, you wrote this in your book. Uh, it, it was just one of the most touching moments in the book. And, John, you uh, – I, I don't know if an opportunity is a good word or, to use or not, but you were there when Kevin first saw what had happened to him under the surgery. Um, just a tremendous um, experience, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I'll, set the, I'll set it up and let John finish it, but – I had been waiting all day for John and, and uh, his wife to come up and take me out to dinner. Sloan Kettering was very good about getting you out for a couple hours or two to get you out of the hospital environment. And I couldn't wait, but I couldn't understand why they wouldn't let me take a shower during the day. And it's now nah, you have to wait for this, wait for that. And I was dying to get this package. It was, it was like a shoulder pad that was covering my wound. And it was big enough that it looked like a shoulder. And so they knew that I was going to be horrified when I took this thing off and they prepped John uh, who went into the bathroom with me to help me take it off and John I'll let you take it from there and unwind the bandage uh, over the wound over the the sutures over the missing shoulder and four ribs was incredible to see in person and uh, I, I, I think I almost fainted but I had been prepped, so I tried to remain strong, and I said to, to Kevin, and as we were probably next to a mirror, I said, hey, at least you got a couple good knees. 
<laughs> and we both laughed because it was it was hysterically both funny laugh. at the time mm-hmm. with a horrible event. <laughs> what 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 are friends for, right? <laughs> exactly. Wow. Hey Kevin, it was a Kevin, I got incredible a, experience. Go ahead. Kevin, I got a quick question for you. You've been following the team pretty closely. Uh they're heading out to Lambeau Field. I don't know if you ever played out there, but uh do the Eagles have a chance in Green Bay on a Thursday night? I think they have a desperate chance, and I say that because they all realize. I mean, John will tell you, this, this is a game of emotion. And um, teams that uh, are emotionally charged are going to have an advantage that nobody can measure, not even the bookies in Las Vegas. And i got to believe they're going to be emotionally charged enough to give the Green Bay Packers a good game. The other thing is they're 3-0 and on Thursday night. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it is a trend of sorts. They go one and three, and you look at the rest of the schedule, and they could be buried, um, especially with the Cowboys getting off to uh, the start that they've been. So I think desperate teams are, be, are to be wary of in the NFL, and uh, we'll see what happens. I expect it to be a close game, uh, but I got a feeling the Eagles may be on the losing end of this one. Well, yeah. it's a short week, and, and, and Doug Peterson's been through this before, and he's had many of other – uh, short weeks with, uh, you know, Thursday games and whatnot uh, as, a, as an assistant coach. He knows how to do it. Uh, so it, it's, it's going to be a good road trip. That's the way I would look at it. As these guys going up there playing a game in an incredible stadium. I, I've, I've played there and I've coached there. It's an incredible environment. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is not tearing it up right now. But what he scares me is if the Eagles don't get some pass rush, and, and because he will move and he will he will run, unlike the guy they played against on Sunday. So they've got to have a better plan to get that quarterback on the ground. And whatever they do offensively, uh, I just I just think they've got to do a better job running the football. And of course, we got to get the receivers to catch the football. And no more, no more. Uh, a 100-yard kickoff returns for a touchdown, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, John, I have to ask you, since you said, you know, that you're spending all your time up in Maine and having to listen to the Patriots, just how good is that team? Is there really a chance that they could run the table? Because they have been pretty darn impressive. Well, there's no doubt, and I don't think they've played a great team as of yet, Uh, but uh, it, it, it certainly appears that year in, year out, uh, they make the right moves with personnel, uh, and they come up with new defenders, and they come up with new receivers. Uh, and, of course, the, the quarterback is, is, you know, you know everybody can argue the point, but he's probably the best there ever was. So when you got that guy with you, and, and they're, they do a good job taking care of the football, playing good special teams, uh, they, they could possibly do it. I don't expect it's going to happen. I really don't. Too hard. Hey, guys, we are just about out of time, but uh, Kevin, anything else you need to say to John? You guys uh, you know, want to re- renew any old uh, memories or anything? Well, I just uh, I, I think often he had me up to Maine this year for four days, and I think my blood pressure went down by 40 points. <laughs> so I can't wait to get up there again, and I, I envy him on these uh, – fall nights because I know what it looks like outside of his uh, cabin and looking out on that beautiful lake there. So, John, uh, I guess the next time I see you will be in Naples because that's where uh, he's hanging his hat. 
That'll be another good spot. And I do want to remind you, I was down in Boston uh, for that CTE research study, and uh, I'm glad I did it. I did it for uh, my fellow brothers in the NFL and to see if we can get research done so they can diagnose uh, CTE, that chronic traumatic uh, encephalopathy, uh, sooner uh, in, while you're alive. Right now, you know, you only get diagnosed with that in post-mortem examination. So we'll see it, where that goes. It's probably going to be close to 200 ex-NFL players uh, that will go through Boston University getting that done. Hey, wow, guys, that's, that's I, awesome. I, got, I, got, I got news for John. I, I really think that uh, this was a sham. I think that they've inserted him with a, a new drug that will make him Frankenstein with any time soon. <laughs> <laughs> and they just didn't tell him. But, no, it's a tremendous thing because – you know, they've been taking these samples from, unfortunately, our dead NFL players, and they found CTE in 110 of the 111 samples, which I would say is a pretty good uh, case against it. But if they yeah. can find out from guys that are living, you know, what is causing this, uh, there's some possibilities with the way, you know, um, medical science is moving right now that they could find a cure for this in the next four or five years. And boy, wouldn't that that's be something. what they're hoping to do. And, and anybody out there that's listening and, and, and played in, in the NFL or played in college, uh, look up BU and the, the CTE study that they're, they're doing. Uh, you can get up there and volunteer, and, uh, you know, it's three days. Uh, for the most part, it's uh, you know, pain-free, but not totally. I, I can tell you about that another time, Kevin. All right. All right, guys. Well, hey, we appreciate you joining us, John and Kevin. We always appreciate having you with us and uh, especially coming on with John. That's cool. Good stuff. All right, guys. Good great stuff. talking to you. Have a great right. night. Okay. See you Thanks, guys. Let's take a break to talk about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. As we often tell you, the Irish Rover has a terrific variety of food and drink with lots of specials every day and always 24 beers on tap. They have trivia every Wednesday evening, the DJ every Friday night, all Eagles games on their many TVs, and as bar manager Chris Gaskell tells us, something very cool this Saturday afternoon, their annual Oktoberfest celebration. It's our goodbye to the patio season. So for one day only, we turn our patio into a beer garden. We're going to be tapping some of our favorite German beers. We'll be serving Knox and Brock. And, of course, we have our famous sign hoisting competition. So it's a great day and not to be missed. I'm not going to miss it. Look for me there on Saturday. It'll be a blast. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good. Yes, it is. Hey, Chet, great, great talk with John and, and Kevin. And, you know, uh, John started talking about that CTE. We could talk about that for a whole entire show. That's a that's a big thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we could have talked to those guys for a long time. Uh, I've been there the last four years. You've been there a couple of times to the Dick Vermeil event every summer, the golf tournament. And it's just great to see those guys and, to, you know, see them uh, renewing their friendship and talking about things that they did together 40-some years ago. We got to sample a little bit of that right here on our show tonight, so that was a lot of fun. Awesome, wasn't it? All right. Hey, Chet, you introduced Tom, Tom Cunningham earlier, a uh, very interesting guy. You had a chance to sit down with Tom. Uh, earlier today. Tell us about that visit. 
yesterday, actually, and not just because we worked together many, many years ago, but we have just so many similar interests in terms of sports and music. I thought it would you know, be nice to have him on, especially with Bruce turning 70 the other day. I could have talked to Tom Cunningham for a couple hours, but we crammed a lot into our 10 or 12 minutes together, and it was loads of fun. I should mention we didn't do the interview in my hometown or in Atlantic City or on the streets of Philadelphia or out on the back streets or in Jungle Land, but we did eventually make a trip onto Thunder Road. So here is my chat with Tom. I think you'll enjoy it. Two of my favorite things are Philly sports and music, and that's the same with this guy, a former co-worker of mine back in the 1980s, and something of a New Jersey radio legend. These days, among other things, he does a popular weekend show called Springsteen on Sunday on 107.1 The Boss. We say hello to Tom Cunningham. Hey, TC. Hey, Jim. Thank you for uh, reaching out. Absolutely. Tom, we'll talk Bruce and music in a few minutes, but like me, you're a diehard Phillies fan. How frustrating was it watching the Phils this season? Uh, what comes after very, 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 very frustrating. Um, you know, it was a season of great promise and great potential. McCutcheon, to me, was the key signing of the season. And all that guy did every time he stepped out there was play great baseball. And then when McCutcheon got hurt, that seemed to all, you know, the pitching was always questionable. I never felt like that they uh, had taken care of business as far as pitching goes. But the guy, uh, the guy now pitches for the Braves. Yeah, Dallas Keuchel. Dallas beat him last week and then, then made, made fun of him. <laughs> they, they, they couldn't find that guy. I mean, to me, anybody who rags on Harper this year should be very, very, very ashamed. He's had a hell of a season, and I would say both on and off the field. Tom, I'm going to guess you're not a huge Gabe Kapler fan. I'm not. I am a, a JT Riamuto fan. He turned out to be, you know, a really great addition to the team. And no, I'm, I'm not enamored with Gabe. I am not. The only thing I've ever agreed with that he ever said was when he said he was not Dallas Green. And he used an ad- adjective in there that probably I shouldn't say. But, you know, I've thought that word, too, thinking about Gabe. So that's my two cents on the fills. That was probably four cents, but there you go. Yeah, we'll see what happens in the offseason. Now, Tom, I'm going to fess up here. I picked the Eagles to go at least 11-5 and this season and get back to the Super Bowl. As we speak, of course, they're coming off a disappointing home loss to the Lions. They fell to 1-2. and They're heading to Green Bay to play the Packers on three days rest. What's your level of concern about the Birds right now, and will they turn it around? Well, until the injured people come back from being injured, that's a tough road to hoe. You know, you're taking away some of the not only the best weapons on the team, but the best weapons in football. You know, we saw in the first game, obviously, what Deshaun still has. And Alshon Jeffrey's always been a great player. The defense has looked shaky, and that I don't know that I was ready for the defense to look so shaky at times. I've always been prone to teams to giving up the big play. It's cause for concern, Jim. What's your take? Yeah, I'm concerned as well, and I'd love to see them pull off a surprise out in Green Bay at Lambeau, but I don't see it happening. Maybe I'll be wrong. I'm hoping I'm wrong. We'll see. Yeah, they, and they got to run the football. They bring this guy in, Howard, and <laughs> give, uh, give him the ball, please. Yep. You know, dropping passes in the NFL, uh, look, you could call these guys rookies, second-year players, whatever. And you got to catch the football. That's really all there is to that, I think. 
as I mentioned at the top, you and I worked together back in the day at WPST. Now, other than our radio station team beating Bon Jovi and their crew in a 1984 softball game at Ryder College, what do you remember most from your years at PST? Oh, boy. You know, to be on that station basically every day of the 80s. I started there in 79 and left there in 89. Anyone who halfway pays attention to popular music and popular culture knows the significance of the music of the 80s and the movies of the 80s and how they came together to form this perfect storm of art. And to be on that station, that was a massive radio station. I don't know that at the time we really knew exactly how massive that was. And to have that smack in the middle of the dial, 97.5, 50,000 watts, and just uh, a blowtorch of a signal that went everywhere, it was one of the great times of my life, absolutely. Helped launch Bon Jovi's Hall of Fame career back in 84, but tell me about you and the Bruce Springsteen connection. How did that begin for you personally, and how did you end up doing a weekly show focusing on Bruce and his music 16 or so years back? Well... I was 16 in 73 when Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey came out. My radio station of choice was 93.3 WMMR. Just enamored with the music of that era. I had quickly made the shift from AM Top 40 to Progressive FM Man Um, in 68 when uh, the Marconi experiment started, you know, that whole thing on MMR. Ed Shockey was my guy. David Dye was my guy. Michael Tierson was my guy. You know, they famously championed Bruce. Bruce broke off of WMMR. Took a while, but without MMR support and those first two albums, you know, Bruce really would not have had the early career that he had. So I don't know what song I heard first come out of my radio. Probably Blinded by the Light or For You or Spirit in the Night, one of those. I was all in. 1973, New Jersey. Nobody, nobody, nobody gave a flying whatever about New Jersey. In 73, it was a joke. Here was this guy who grew up in Freehold, who loved hanging at the shore. I mean, these were things that we did. This was our lives at the time. And here was this guy embracing this part of what we loved. I mean, who didn't love the shore? And it all came together, especially on on those first two albums. That was it. (laughs) I was in with both feet. Hey, I didn't see Bruce until the Born in the USA tour. Shame on me. What was your very first Bruce concert? 74 at the War Memorial in Trenton. Wow. I can close my eyes and still be in that room. It was that vivid. And, you know, now, of course, social media days, now I know the guy who promoted that show. (laughs) And, you know, the other 800 people, because, you know, that was not a sold-out show. I had tried to see him at a place called Fat City in Seaside, Labor Day weekend of 73. Drinking age was 18 at the time. I had the world's worst fake ID, and I was 17. And the guy at the door uh, was a motorcycle's driver's license. Hmm. A, I had no motorcycle. (laughs) And B, the guy at the door at this place was clearly like this motorcycle dude. And he would have none of my fake ID. But 
you know, I grew up in Trenton, him coming to Trenton. This was like literally two weeks before I graduated from high school in 74. So what a way to, <laughs> what a way to wrap up my high school career. And I've, you know, I've seen him quite a few times in quite a few different places. So what a great ride. Yeah, and now you've been doing this weekly show. It's currently on 1071 The Boss, Springsteen on Sunday. You often have cool guests on there, by the way, including members of the E Street Band or Southside Johnny, my old pal Willie Nile. Where can people find Springsteen on Sunday? On 1071 The Boss, <laughs> as you just said. Yeah, it's on Sunday mornings from 9 to 11. A new Sunday morning address for me. It was at my old location for the better part of 16 years. And, you know, you make a business decision or two as life unfolds. I don't like change. <laughs> I hate change, especially after that long a period of time. But sometimes business happens. And I'm, I'm really enamored uh, with this crew here at 107 on the Boss. They've made me feel at home right away. You know, I'm doing the same old thing on a different channel and uh, the same time and the same thing jim can't beat it excellent now before i let you go we're going to play a quick game of fast five keep your answers brief and you're going to do well in this i promise all right here we go number one tom excluding the two world series titles give me a favorite phillies baseball memory well i gotta go 93 pennant clincher my father always had season tickets for the phils he did not have a ticket for that game that night to be able to a take my father to that game and b Watch that game with him is something I'll never forget. I was there sitting in left field. I remember it well. All right, number two. 700 level, baby. There you go. You're a longtime Philly Eagles fan. Do you have a favorite Eagles player? Well, oh, man. Um, like trying to pick one of your kids. Hmm. Um, how do you not say Reggie White? I mean, I could say Brian Dawkins really easily. How do you not say Reggie White? Yep, can't go wrong there. Number three, name a band or artist that you have never gotten to see but you wish you had and you can't say the Beatles. Well, that's my answer. Um, <laughs> Too easy. You know what? I've seen them all, um, yeah. except the Beatles. So there. Well, you're a lucky man. Number four, <laughs> you alluded to having been there a lot. I don't know if you know the exact number, but how many Bruce concerts have you been to, do you think? I would say somewhere right around. Now, I would include like club appearances and you know, all, those, sure. all those kind of things. Yeah. I would say like around 280. <laughs> Wow. All right. And finally, Tom, this is going to be tough, but give me your top three favorite Bruce songs. Oh, man. <laughs> well, number one's always Incident on 57th Street. Spanish Johnny drove in from the underworld last night. I mean, that will always be number one. Thunder Road always has to be number two. And in a pinch, I guess would say Spirit in the Night would be number three. Well, as I knew it would be, this was loads of fun. Thank you, Tom Cunningham. Thank you, Jim Chesco. Rock <laughs> on. Wow, Chet, that's cool, man. Good good stuff, and uh, certainly appreciate Tom taking the time to join us. And that's uh, it's a little different than what we usually do, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, talking to Tom, and, uh, God, it was great touching base with him again and thinking back to our days at PST in the 1980s and uh, – He's a good man, good man. And, Bill, I warned you about this. I gave you a heads up. We had heard Tom Cunningham's three favorite Springsteen songs, Spirit of the Night, number three, Thunder Road, number two, Incident on 57th Street, number one. And I asked you to come up with your favorite five, and I promised that I would do the same. So let's have it. Your favorite Springsteen songs go from five to one for me. Okay, how about I combined a couple? So I really am going from eight to one, but a couple in groups. (laughs) 
Okay. All right. Is the more current day ones. All right. And I kind of I kind of lump these two together, but I really like them. The Rising and Lonesome Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, play back to back on the Rising album. Good good songs. Okay. Goes to my very first Springsteen songs, and he actually mentioned one. For You and Rosalita were probably the very first Springsteen songs way, way back in the day that I ever heard, and I've always liked them. Yep. Next up, I have 10th Avenue Freeze Out. It's just a classic. And that gets me to the final three. One and two, or two and three, you could probably mix up one way or another. I like them both. Badlands and Thunder Road. And number one is Born to Run, and it will always be. I knew you were going to say that because I I asked you that several years ago during one of our uh, games that we played early in the year, whatever we called that. I forget. uh, What do we call that thing? Random Q2. That was it. Okay. That's right. Anyway, good choice. There there are very few bad Springsteen song choices, so good job by you. My top five. Where do I have them? Oh, here we go. Yes, I had about 15 on my list. I narrowed it down to five. Kind of a fun throwaway song, but number five for me, I've always loved this one, Sherry Darling, underrated song, love it. Mm-hmm. Number four, one that includes the line, if dreams came true, oh, wouldn't that be nice? I think you mentioned it also. Prove it all night. Number three, the mid-'80s classic from the Born in the USA album and a song that I'll never tire of, that would be Glory Days. Number two, mm-hmm. you mentioned this one also, but I'm going to go with a different version of it, the raw piano version of Thunder Road from October of 1975 on the Live 75-85 album. Love that version of Thunder Road. And number one, Bill, well, someday we'll look back on this, and it will all seem Steam? fun. Yeah. There you go. I got no Good arguments stuff. with any of that. All right. Hey, Chet, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave LaVoy from Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, sir, Bill. The same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal and then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave LaVoy in Westchester, 610-430-0700, and start planning for your retirement today. 610-430-0700, Dave LaVoy in Westchester, PA. And, Bill, we now take you to 1313 Mockingbird Lane. The Munsters, Bill. It premiered this week in 1964 on CBS. Ran for just two seasons, believe it or not. Was it really only two seasons? Wow. How about that? 70 episodes in over two seasons, yeah. Wow. Hey, Chip, before we get to Fred and Butter time and more football, we have to talk about the officially eliminated Phillies a little bit more, eight straight seasons, as we mentioned. Where are we going to start the overhaul? Is it going to be with Kapler? Well, fortunately, we only have like 30 seconds to talk about them right now because I'm just disgusted with them and I don't really want to talk about them. We'll spend more time next week dissecting what went wrong. But in a nutshell, Bill, the new additions, particularly JT Remuto and Bryce Harper, were upgrades from a year ago. But the injury to another one of those newbies, as uh, Tom alluded to, Andrew McCutcheon, was a killer, as were the many injuries to the numerous relievers. But beyond that, None of the holdover guys, with the possible exception of Scott Kingry, improved from 2018 to 19. And some guys like Reese Hoskins and Michael Franco got worse. Add it all up, and you have an eighth straight season with no postseason for the fight and fills. And, yeah, there's going to be changes. And 
I said two weeks ago Kapler would be back. I'm having my doubts now. I think he may go and maybe even Klintak too, but I'm thinking Kapler will not be back. One final question for you on the Phillies. There are five games to go. They are one game over 500 as we speak. Are they going to make 500 or are they not? Does it even matter? I mean, I would like to see them get to, I guess, 82 and 80 because it would show a slight improvement over last year's 80 and 82. But does it really matter? I don't know. It's not going to save anybody's job at this point. So who cares? I, I kind of hope they do get to 82, but I don't really know. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess you gave up. Okay. I'm good with that. Let's get some music and let's talk football. Beat you to it. And that's it. It's Fred and Butter Fantasy Football Time with our guru, Fred Hugo, back to break down week four of the season. Fred, welcome back. Your two banter is awesome. I, I love it. The back and forth <laughs> with you is so funny sometimes. <laughs> What's up, good guys? Time. Good time. Hey, Fred. Uh, what's happening, Fred? Oh, by the way, for real quickly, oh, real, real fun spending time with you and uh, Big Al last Thursday night, and of course Bill joining us on the phone. We had a great time. Really enjoyed it. I appreciate you guys uh, coming or Chet, you coming out to the show, and Bill, you calling in. It, it was awesome. I, I enjoyed it as well, and and so did Al. It was really fun. Thanks. Hey, Fred. Before we get to uh, fantasy football, you are going to be I assume in the morning. Yep, 6 a.m. So 6 a.m. my flight leaves, <laughs> and it will go to Milwaukee, and then I will drive a rental car to uh, Green Bay because that is the cheapest route to go with, with the, the prices they're jacking up on the flights. And that's like uh, an hour and a half, two-hour drive, is it not? Correct. Yeah. But it's saving cool. me two, 300 So. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good deal. All right. Well, have fun. Stuff. Next, next week we want to hear about the trip to Lambeau. That, uh, that in itself would be pretty cool. Bucket this for me. Never been there. I've Certainly. Been there, you'll you'll see me. I'll be, the guy, I'll be the guy running on the field at midfield. So you just watch <laughs> on Thursday. All right? oh, Don't do that. Don't do that. Send bail money. Should we start the GoFundMe uh, thing now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Fred. Give us, give us the rundown week four. What do we got? And Melvin Gordon is back with the Chargers. Melvin Gordon is back, so he's not going to play this week, but he'll be back in uh, tow next week. So if you don't have Melvin Gordon, keep that in mind. Yes, yes, he is back. Um, And I'll run through this quickly for you because I know you guys have a tight show. So at quarterback, I'm going to say Russell Wilson against the Cardinals. That's your definite start. And then a quarterback you can pick up off the waiver wire is Jacoby Brissett. I was not a believer. He has 20-plus points in every week. He's available in 80% of leagues. Moving to running back, my pick actually is Austin Eckler against the Miami Dolphins, but this will probably be the last week you'll be able to use Austin Eckler uh, with Melvin Gordon coming back. Also, a guy you can pick up that's going to be the number one back for a few weeks is Wayne Gallman of the New York Giants. He's definitely not going to have the impact Saquon had, but he's a number one back and, and worth the pickup. At wide receiver, I like John Ross on Monday Night Football in Pittsburgh to have a big day. And then wide receivers you can pick up. Miko Hardman is still there, DJ Shark. And even though he can't catch the ball, he still scores and, and puts up enough points. Nelson Aguilar is a guy you can definitely pick up in, in most leagues. Uh, yeah. Moving to tight end, uh, Darren Waller of the Raiders. He had 13 catches last week. He has 26 on the season in three games already. Colts are terrible against the tight end so far. Pick up Darren Waller, start him. And then another guy, Will Disley of the Seahawks. They just traded their second tight end, so he's officially 
the main guy over there in Seattle. And then moving to the defensive side of the ball, I just, you know, really just find the Miami Dolphins and who they're playing and start that team. So I'm going to go with the Chargers. <laughs> but if you're looking – I mean, it is funny, but it's the way to go. And then um, and then as far as a, a team you could pick up defensively is the Steelers. They've, they've had a solid good two weeks, and they're available in 85% of ESPN leagues. So that's what I got for fantasy this week. All right. Good there stuff. All right. It's time for this week's NFC East picks. Um, Chet, how did we do last week, and what are the standings after week three? We were all perfectly mediocre last week, Bill. We all made the same exact picks last weekend, (laughs) winning with the Cowboys and the Bears. But we lost the Eagles game, of course, and that Giants-Bucks game, which was actually a pretty exciting finish. And I I actually felt kind of happy for Daniel Jones winning it in his debut. So two and two for the season. I am six and three, still in first place. Yeah, I am six and three. I'm going to say that again. Six and three, first place. You guys are both five and four. You said you were happy for the Giants. Let's repeat that a couple times. (laughs) Yeah, Bill, we got to get like that that soundbite thing where you just replay it every time Chet says something. Just replay. (laughs) I'm happy for Daniel Jones and the Giants. Pretty much everybody picked the Bucks, so it didn't hurt in most of the leagues I was in. And we all picked the same thing. So, yeah, what the heck? Throw them a bone. Make the Giants fans happy for a week. All right, let's go with week four. We're going to start adding a couple games, but I couldn't find a good one that I thought was going to be a quality matchup, so I didn't add it. So we're we're staying with the East. We got Redskins at the Giants, Giants minus three, Cowboys at the Saints on Sunday night football, Dallas minus three, and the Eagles visit Green Bay, as we said, on Thursday night for the Packers minus five and a half. Fred, I heard that sounds like four and a half now, but oh well. Last night it was five and a half. Yeah. Uh, okay. Fred, Redskins at the Giants. Giants minus three. Redskins at the Giants. Yeah, Giants home minus three. No Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones looked good last week. I'm not picking him this week. I'm going to go with the Redskins. Wow. Now, I'm not becoming a Giants fan, but uh, like I said, I was impressed with what Jones did in his debut. Now he gets to play at home. I think the Giants will win this one. Washington didn't show me a whole lot the other night, so Giants will win this one at home. Well, I'm going to go with um, the Redskins are horrible. The Giants are horrible, too. Daniel Jones will be back in reality without Saquon Barkley. I'm going Redskins, and they're, and they're awful. Okay. All right. Cowboys at the Saints on Sunday night. Dallas minus three, Fred. When the Saints oh, – oh, yeah, they don't have Breeze. I keep forgetting about that. I'm still taking yeah. the Saints. I refuse to uh, take the Cowboys. I, I, they put, they're finally playing a real team. And this, Bridgewater's okay. He's not, he's not bad. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, Sean Payton and the Saints. You know, I went back and forth on this one. My heart is saying – Go with the Saints. They can do this. They're at home. But my head's saying Dallas, and I want to beat you guys, so I had to pick the Cowboys, much as it pains me to say that, Dallas. Well, I'm going to join your pain because without Drew Brees, Dallas is going to beat the Saints and probably do it handily. I hate this. We're now. Okay. Uh, Eagles visit Green Bay Thursday night. Packers, four and a half, five and a half, whatever you want, who you like. Alshon coming back probably moved the line down. That's a huge jump. That that makes me more yeah. excited. But I, I don't think the, the Packers – the Packers haven't really beaten anyone either. You know, everyone's – they're 3-0. I understand that. But the defense has looked improved. 
I, I don't know why. It, it just, there's no real logic behind this. I just got a hunch. You know, I, I think we're going to go in there and, and we're going to win. And I just got to, I'm not being a homer about it. I just got that weird feeling in my gut that, that somehow they're, they're, it's one of them games where everyone thinks the Packers are going to win. And then kind of like the Rams game last year with Foles, but the Eagles are going to pull it off. So I'm going to take the Eagles 28-27. Whoa. Hey, Fred, uh, the, Fred, the Packers were at the Bears, home against the Vikings, home against the Broncos. Yeah, but the, yeah. the, uh, the, I don't think the Bears are that good. I, I think the Vikings is a good win, and I think the Broncos don't really I – don't, I don't think the Broncos are good either. Uh, here, here's my deal. In his last four games on Thursday night's quarterback, Aaron Rodgers has thrown for 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions, pass rating of 112.4. Green Bay almost never loses at home on a Thursday. I, again, have to go with my head on this one. I would love to be wrong. And here's the good news, folks. I am 0-3 this season already, picking Thursday night games. Let's make it 0-4 because I'm picking Green Bay 31-20. to Well, i tell you what, I am going to ride the emotion that the Eagles need to have to win this game. They've got to win this game. I don't know that it's life or death, but one and three is not where you need to be. Um, If you look at the last two games, it was just mistakes that cost the game. See, if you clean up those mistakes, this is a 3-0 team. So I'm going to go with the Eagles with a little sense of urgency going to Green Bay with a must win. Score? And and Doug Peterson is 4-0 and returning to Lambeau. Oh, there you go. 4-0 in Thursday night games. 4-0 in Thursday night games. I'm sorry. All right. I'm going to go, uh, if I need a score, I'm going to go 23-17 Eagles. All right. Fred, have a great time, man. I will. I'll catch you next week. Go Birds. Do not. Do not repeat run on the field. Do not run nah, I'm not field. doing it. I, I have kids now. I, that's the only reason not. I have kids now. All right. <laughs> See you, Fred. All right. See you. All right, Fred. Hey, Chet, before we get to our guests for next week, uh, we have our new Philly Press Box radio shirts available, ready to go. You put out a uh, Facebook post about it today. Tell us all about it. Yep, great-looking green logo T-shirts. They are available for sale as per our ad on Facebook. And as with our red logo shirts that we put out there last spring, they are available in regular material and dry fit. They'll sell for $15 or $17, depending on the material. A little more for 2X or 3X. I think we have some 3X, he said. Shipping is 7 bucks per shirt or $10 if you're buying two. See our ad on Facebook, and hopefully I'll put one on Instagram, too, in the next day or two. Let us know how we can help you because these are nice shirts and you should have one. There you go. Hey, who were those models in that ad? They were good-looking guys. Familiar weren't face. They? What, good-looking what's guys. a familiar face? A selfie <laughs> kind of dude. But I don't know who those, the other guy is. Those shirts make us look good. <laughs> All right. Hey, Chet, uh, now for the guests. Who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio? You got the, you've set the bar high again tonight. Well, because we want to talk about this amazing win the Eagles are going to pull off in Green Bay, we hope. We're going to have a lot of time to just talk to one another, Bill, but we do have one guest, and it's going to be a pre-taped interview with Inquirer.com Sam Carcitti, the Flyers beat writer, who will preview the 2019-20 season, which begins a week from Friday in Prague. He can't join us live because he's going to be traveling much of next week, going over to, I guess, Switzerland and Prague, but... 
he will find time to talk to me ahead of time. So Sam Carcitti, the Flyers beat writer, joining us via tape. And you and I will have time to talk Eagles and Phillies. And Flyers. And then yeah. I guess that's why you're going to be all flyered up by next week. You're going to have to bone up to uh, to get up with Sam. Going to do my research. You know it. Uh, all right. Good stuff. Hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may need, may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out. Great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Razroom. That's right. PPCC118 Razroom on Facebook. And with that, Mr. Chesco, do you have a parting shot? Not a true parting shot this week, Bill, but I do have some random stuff, also known as craft that we didn't get to. Uh, the Trenton Thunder, whose ballpark is five miles down the road from my house, 12 days ago won their fourth Eastern League title in 13 years. Congrats to them, even though they are a damn New York Yankees affiliate. I got to see the trophy up close last Saturday. Nice little trophy, I, although I felt kind of dirty getting close to it because, as I said, it's a Yankees farm team. Uh, Hollis Thomas out at WIP. I'll reserve comment about Tank just in case he's listening. He's a big guy. Um, Penn State has a Friday night football game at Maryland. Go Nittany Lions. Sorry, Denny. And Bill, two words, fishnet swimsuit. Happy 72nd birthday today to the lovely Cheryl Teagues, considered by most to be the first real supermodel. Loved her. 72. Wow. And, and, uh, you know what, I'm going to throw something out because I know you probably meant to do it. And I don't even know who this guy, but is, but didn't we have a grateful dead songwriter die, uh, in the last day or two? Yeah. Robert Hunter passed away. He wrote a whole lot of the grateful dead songs. He wrote uh, with Jerry Garcia and I was not a huge grateful dead fan, but I know he was a talented guy. He would write a lot of their stuff and he could write songs quickly too. Uh, talented guy and Robert Hunter rest in peace. There you go. All right, Chet. Anything else before we wrap it up? Because we're at the top of the hour. Uh, that's about it. Uh, Phil's playing out the string. Go Birds in Green Bay. Fred, have fun, man. That's going to be a great time. I'll get, I'll get out there one of these years. Thursday night, Eagles. Friday night, Penn State. And a weekend to cruise around, Chet. Yep. Wrap it up, Bill. All right. Let's thank tonight's special guests, John Bunning, Tom Cunningham, Fred Hugo, and our caller, Kevin Riley. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Razroom, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance of Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, October 2nd at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcasts on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, and others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and go birds. Teaching points? Yeah. Catch the ball. E-S-T-L-E-S-E-R!